Amen. So good to be with you today. Welcome to Get Well. Uh, We've got several folks joining us online today. Welcome from wherever you might be. Grateful for that technology that can join us together. We are starting a brand new series today called Give It a Try. Now here's what I know about me, what I know about you, is that much of life, when we step into something, we are tempted to give up before the real transformation happens. Whether we're talking about uh, eating healthy or exercise or budgeting and spending in a wise way or uh, starting a new habit or investing in a relationship or spiritual disciplines, we so often, we step into it and we give up too early. Why do we do that? Because the real change that we're longing for in our lives, whether we're talking about physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, the real change begins to happen in us long before we can see it. And what we need is the courage and the faith and the strength to say, I'm going to press through and trust in the change, the transformation is happening in me before I can see it with my eyes. And so through this month, we're walking through a series called Give It a Try. And what we want to encourage you is to do a deep dive on some of the things that God has given us that we can know him better. And to trust as we give it a try, as we give ourselves to it in discipline, to know that even before I see it, there's a transformation happening in me. And so we're going to talk about some things like commitment to community and relationships. We're going to talk about committing ourselves to prayer, to talk to God and to listen to God, to be silent before our creator, redeemer, and savior. And we're going to talk about what does it mean to serve, not to check a box, but to know that God put me on this earth for a reason and I have a calling and I want to step fully into the purpose that God has given me. And we want to commit and encourage one another to keep committing to that day after day after day, knowing that I may not see the results yet, but something is happening. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I had a uh, problem with my car. One of the, it was something small. I didn't want to take it to a dealer. It was just uh, some problem with the taillights. And so I, uh, I started to kind of tinker around with it. And I wasn't sure if it was a, a bulb or something else. And I said, well, before I go buy parts, I'm going to check out uh, the fuse box. And so I got underneath the console and I pulled that open. And then I realized, like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and it hit me that even though I had good intentions... Without some instructions, I could cause some real damage. And so what did I do? I opened up the glove box and I got out that book that many of us never see, which is the instruction manual for our vehicle. And I opened it up and I got some instructions on what I was supposed to do. And I was able to fix that problem on my own. Now, that's kind of a silly little story, but it proves a point to us is that there's sometimes in life when we need some instructions to move forward because even with good intentions, without instruction, we can cause some real harm. And God in his love and in his compassion for us has given us some instructions for life. Now, we need to be uh, instructed on things like, well, what is the meaning of life? Or how do I live a good life? 
Uh, what am I supposed to hope for? What do I believe in this life? And God has revealed these truths to us through what we call the Bible, through the revelation of God's spoken word to us that comes to us by the power of the Holy Spirit through many, many different writers over hundreds of years so that we can have instructions to how to know God and be in relationship with God and be in relationship with others. And so what I want to walk us through today is to wrestle with the question, what does it look like for me to give it a try when it comes to God's Word? Talking about the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, uh, the psalmist tells us this in Psalm 119. Speaking to God, he says, Your Word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. That God, your revelation, your instructions to us, God, your love letter written to us lights the path for us. In other words, it gives direction and protection. It gives us direction for a life of I need to be able to see where I need to go. Where does the next step need to take me? And on the way, it gives me protection. It creates boundaries for me that I need to stay on the path. That I don't need to wander off the path that God has given me because out there is danger and it is hurt and there is pain. And how many of us, time and time again, have experienced self-inflicted pain or we've hurt others in our life because we've wandered off the path. We've ignored the boundaries that a very loving God has given us. That's what God's word is. It's an incredibly loving instruction from an incredibly loving father. And so God has given us this that we could step fully into it. Now, many of us have wondered before, or maybe you are wondering today, how do I know I can rely on the Bible? Now, we don't have time to, to do a whole message on this, but I, I wanted to give you, for those of you who are wrestling with that question, or maybe you know somebody in your life who's wrestling with that question, I want to give you just some quick bullet points of how do we know that we can rely on the Bible, and then you can look more into this. But here, here they are. One of those is what we call manuscript authority. That's just a fancy way of saying that what we have today as the Bible is a reliable source of what was originally written. We have more early copies of what we have today as the Bible, and we have the earliest copies compared to all the other books that we trust and hold on to. We have the earliest copies of Holy Scripture compared to anything else. As a matter of fact, the next closest book that we have of the copy that we have is close to what was originally written is a book called the Iliad. And it's nowhere close to the dating of what we have from Scripture from the original manuscript. And so we have manuscript authority. Another is archaeological record. In other words, what we dig up from the ground proves that what is written in the Bible actually happened. It's a reliable witness of history, that there are uh, scripts, there are plaques, there are uh, cities that are dug up, all kinds of incredible things. That's why I love being able to go to the Holy Land, to go over to Israel, because you see with your own eyes and you, you realize, even though you've had faith, you see it and you go, oh my goodness, this really happened. Here it is. Here's the city, here, here are the, the archaeological pieces of evidence that prove that what I've been reading about in my life is true. 
Another one is fulfilled prophecy. Depending on which scholar you read or listen to, uh, on the low end, there are dozens of prophecies that have been fulfilled already in the Bible. On the high end, there are hundreds, if not thousands of prophecies that have been fulfilled already in the Bible. If we just take the life of Jesus alone, dozens and dozens and dozens of prophecies fulfilled from the Old Testament all the way back to 2,000 years before Jesus ever walked this earth that were fulfilled in the life, in the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Fulfilled prophecy. Another one are embarrassing events. In other words, the writers of the Bible wrote down things that did not make them the heroes of the story. Now, if you and I were making up a story that we wanted to try to pass off as true, we probably wouldn't write down a bunch of stuff that was self-incriminating. That would say, look how dumb I am. Look how I messed up. But you got guys like Peter. You got guys like Paul who are witnessing to the reality that look how much I messed up. Because the point of this is not about how great I am. It's about how great Jesus is. And I want you to have a reliable witness of what really happened. And so there are all kinds of embarrassing stories in the Old Testament and New of how people like Moses messed up and Peter and Paul and others, embarrassing failures, but it was all about Jesus. And then finally, extra biblical sources that we don't just have to rely on what we call the Bible, but there are actually other historical writings that back up what happened in Scripture. If we are just talking about Jesus, there are a number of different extra biblical sources that back up what happened in the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, one that you may have heard of was a, a Jewish writer named Josephus, a historian who was not a follower of Jesus, who wrote backing up that what we have in the Bible, the witness of Jesus, actually happened. And not just Jewish writers, but there were many others. One of the most famous was a Roman historian called Tacitus. Tacitus, a Roman historian, wrote about the events of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. All kinds of extra-biblical sources that prove that what we read in the Bible actually happened. And so if you're wrestling with that or you know somebody that you're, is wrestling with this question of how do I trust the Bible, lots of reasons. I encourage you to look into that some more. But if the Bible really is God's instruction, incredibly loving instruction from an incredibly loving Father, lighting the path for us, His love letter to us. If it really is that, this word from God, and it's reliable, then the question that we must ask ourselves is, what do I do with this? How do I reflect on it and know it and apply it to our lives? And then how do I do that? So I'm going to lift up two questions for us today. Number one, what is in the Bible? And number two, how do I approach it? All right, so let's go to God's Word for some answers. We're going to look at a letter that Paul wrote to a guy named Timothy. So if you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. And this is what Paul writes. But as for you, Timothy... Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you what? Wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 
All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Here is Paul's writing to Timothy, encouraging him to hold on to the faith. He reveals to us three important things that are in Scripture, the Bible, the Word of God. The first that he says is that everything you need for salvation, in verse 15, to make you wise for salvation, is there in God's Word. That everything we need to know about who God is and his character and what he does specifically that we could be freed from sin, freed for eternal life with God, that we could be redeemed and restored to eternal relationship with our creator, that we have a home in heaven, a new heaven and a new earth, that, that Christ has come to save me. It is all revealed to us in the Bible, in God's word. And that everything we need to know to be able to connect it with God is right there. It's not just a, a self-help book, but it is God's love letter to us that we could be reconnected and redeemed in Him, all pointing to Jesus. The second thing that Paul says is that it is God-breathed. Now, the word God-breathed is the word theonustos. The breath of God. Now, this is reflective of Paul's faith, which is rooted in a Jewish faith that is rooted in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, the word for breath and the word for spirit is the same word. You have things like Genesis 1 that says, The Spirit of God hovered over the waters. That word is spirit is ruach, breath, or spirit. And we see the, the work of the Spirit from the very beginning of creation. Now, what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, one of the things that we see is that the Holy Spirit is a creator. It's part of creation. And so the Holy Spirit is creating the Word. The Word that we have is inspired by God. Meaning it's not just, you know, somebody thought it and it was their opinion and they thought, well, this would be good to write down. But they were moved by the Spirit and directed by the Spirit of God to write down these words for you and me. A second part of this is that the Holy Spirit gives life. If you read on in that creation story, uh, the writer tells us that the Spirit of God breathed life into Adam, Right? The Spirit gives life, and it's the same with God's Word, that this is not just a collection of quotes and lessons, that the Word of God is living and breathing. It impacts us and changes us when we get into it. There is life brought into it by the Spirit of God. And then number three is that it brings redemption. If you keep reading the creation story and we see everything kind of falls apart, and God is disappointed with this creation and how people have turned their back on him. And so he calls Noah, right? And says, Noah, build this boat. And then there brings a flood and everything is destroyed by the flood. And then it says that the Spirit of God, it's the word ruach, again, the breath of God breathed over the waters to begin to reduce the waters to bring new life. It was bringing redemption, the Holy Spirit works in our lives to transform and redeem. That's what the Word of God does when we get into it over time. It changes, it transforms, it redeems us. That we actually become like our Creator and Savior. It's God-breathed. And then he gives us some, 
some kind of bullet points of what God's Word does. He says it's useful for what? It's useful for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, and training. Let's talk a little bit about each of these. It's useful for teaching. That word means to give instruction and direction. Of It's the what am I supposed to believe and how am I supposed to live? And everything that is about instruction and direction from Genesis to Revelation, everything in Scripture is pointing to Jesus. As we read in the Old Testament, it is setting the stage and it is pointing to Jesus. It is the, it is the gospel concealed. And everything in the New Testament is revealing Jesus. It is showing us the face and the, the words and the life of our Savior. That all the scripture is the revelation of God. That God so loved the world that he sent his son into a broken world. Into a world that had rejected him. That had this problem of sin and death that we could not do anything about. And so God stepped into our world to redeem us and save us. That all who confess with their mouth and believe with their heart that Jesus Christ is. Lord will be saved. That Jesus died and rose again that we could be set free and have life with God eternally. And all of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is instructing in us into that reality and directing us to put our life and our will and our thinking and our feeling into the hands of God by trusting in Jesus he goes on, and it's also, also useful for rebuking. This word literally means to set blame to. In other words, as we read through Scripture, we realize all the ways that we've rejected God, all the ways that we hurt ourselves and others, all the ways that we are at fault, and it shows us our deep, deep need for God's grace. It shows us the sinful nature of who we are, and it rebukes us. But it doesn't just leave us there of, oh, you're such a terrible person, look at you. No, God is a loving God. He doesn't just love you. He likes you. He pursues you. He gave his son not because he had to, but because he wanted to for the world that he loved. And so he doesn't just rebuke, but he also corrects. And he says, this is the way. Let me change your course. You know, the word in Scripture is the word repentance, which means I'm walking this direction and I need to turn and walk the new direction. And that's what God's Word does is it corrects our path of here's the way you are to think and feel and act and live. And then finally, it gives us training that over time it equips us and actually changes and transforms us to do what? to do good works in the name of Jesus, that our life literally changes, that you and I can look like Jesus in this world. To a lost and hurting world, we can point to hope and truth. And so the question is, if this is what God's word is, if it's leading me to salvation through Christ, if it is the spirit of God breathing life, creating, bringing this truth to me, and it does teach and rebuke and correct and train, how do I step fully into this gift that God has given us? What does it mean for me to give it a try? I wanna lift up three things for us that I think will be helpful on how we can give it a try when it comes to God's word. Here's the first. So I want us to read daily. Read daily. 
Here's the thing about God's word. It is not just an index of solutions to your problems. And that the way we're tempted to treat God's word though? Like, oh man, I got a relational problem. Let me flip through here. And what does it have to say about relationships? Oh my goodness, I got a financial problem. Let me flip through here. And what does it have to say about finances? Or I've got a work problem or a kid problem or a marriage problem. Let me flip through this index of all the problem solving things and find the answer. That's not the way that God's word operates that it is meant for us to dive into day after day after day, and there's a cumulative effect in our lives. And we've got to get into it daily. But so much of the time we get into it and we mess up and we forget or, or we, we don't prioritize it and we fall away, right? And we miss a day. Well, let me encourage you. If you miss, don't dismiss. Don't dismiss the truth, the, the value of getting into God's word. Pick up the next day and start again. If you miss two days, pick up on that third day and start again and just step into the treasure that God's word gives to us and read it daily. Because here's what happens. Is when you face that moment of decision or that temptation or that problem, when you've been in it daily, you don't have to flip to the index or the glossary or whatever at the end and try to find the problem. The Holy Spirit begins to work in your life. And the Holy Spirit, number one, is going to bring to mind maybe something you read six months ago. And it's going to bring that to you, what you need to know. That is the teaching element of the Spirit of God in His Word. And then he's going to start to work on the way you think and the way you feel and your whole worldview so that when you come to that moment of decision or temptation or problem, there's been a work that's begun in you already and the Holy Spirit is changing you, correcting you, saying, don't go this way. That's the correcting and the rebuking part of the Holy Spirit. And as you get into God's word day after day after day, you will literally become a new person. Things in you will begin to change. You'll begin to want different things and think different things and see the world differently. That's the training part of the Holy Spirit in God's Word. And that, possibly more than anything, cannot happen in a moment or an instance. It takes time. It's the commitment of time over time to be into God's Word and say, Lord, I need you to speak to me. And help me to understand. See, two keys for us as we approach God's word when we read daily. Here's the first one is to understand that every problem that I will ever have in life is not explained in black and white in scripture. There are going to be decisions that you have to make. There are going to be problems that you face. And you can't go to Genesis chapter 4 and say, oh, here's the answer for what I have to do in this moment. Do I, do I move to this city or not? Do I you know, take on this responsibility or do this new job or do I say yes or no to this? It may not be written for you in black and white in God's word. But what is revealed is God's character, God's plan for your life, God's overall direction and who he wants you to be. And it will shape you into the person to be able to answer those questions. And key number two when it comes to reading God's word daily 
as that, yes, when you have a problem or a temptation or a decision to make, yes, go to God's word and yes, look for the answer. But even when it is written there, when we're not living in God's word daily, we won't have the power to apply it to our lives. Because by the spirit of God, not by the will of man, that we are changed and transformed and equipped to follow Jesus. And so we need to be in God's word daily. The second thing about how do we approach God's word is I want to encourage us to read slowly. Read slowly. Here's the thing. If you get to the end of the day or you get to the next day and you can't remember what you just read, you're reading too fast. Slow down. And have time to, to marinate and reflect on the words that we're reading. The point is to not just get through it, but for it to get into me. And so we come to it and we say, Lord, would you reveal your truth to me? There's a little prayer. I've shared it with you before. If I, maybe it's helpful for you, but I say it every single day when I open up this book. And it comes from the book of Isaiah. And I just say this simple little prayer. Lord, Give me eyes to see what you're doing. Give me ears to hear what you're saying. And give me a heart to understand. God, as I read the, these words of yours, Lord, reveal to me the truth that you want to speak to me. And we've got to slow down for God to be able to do that work. And so one of the things that I really encourage us to do as you read through Scripture is to ask questions. Ask questions about what you're reading. So questions like, all right, why is what I'm reading included? There's all kinds of things in Scripture that are just thrown in there. Numbers, names, events, uh, you know, dates in history, people, all kinds of things that are included specifically in Scripture. And we need to stop and ask the question, why is this included? Why this word? Why this number? Why this date? Why this place? Because God put it in there for a reason. And there might be some truth that God wants to speak to you as we wrestle with those questions. Ask questions like, why is this happening in this moment? What's the historical events relevance? What's the cultural relevance? How do people live? What was the economy? What was going on politically? What was going on around them? And how does that speak into what is happening? And then ultimately ask the question, what does this mean for me? Because that's the ultimate question, right? It's not what did it mean for them 2,000 years ago, but God saved this that I could have it. So what does it mean for me? And we got to slow down to be able to ask that question. And slow down and use some tools. There's so many amazing tools that we can use as you read through God's Word. Get a good Bible dictionary. Now that can be so helpful. You can get a good Bible index. Get a good study Bible. Uh, use a lexicon. See, a lexicon will help translate words from Hebrew and Greek. Now, don't think you're a scholar all of a sudden and, and, you know, it can get you in trouble. But as you read through the word, if some kind of word just jumps off the page to you, then that might be the work of the Holy Spirit and slow down and, and go look that word up and say, what does this word mean? It, maybe it's significant. Uh, use some good uh, resources like reference books or commentaries. 
And we'd love to be able to help with you. A great online resources, uh, Blue Letter Bible, incredible uh, resources there. Or if you want to have some tangible commentaries, come and talk to one of our staff and we can kind of help you find some good things for you. Or if you've got one and you want to say, hey, what do you think about this? Let's have some conversation. But let me say a word real quick about how you use those. I want to encourage you as you read through a commentary, as you read through those resources, as you read through a sermon, to take that seriously. <clears throat> These are people that have given their whole life to this pursuit. But don't put them in the place of God. Always ask the question, why do they say what they say? And is it really in God's word? Where does it come from? Why do they say it? Where do I find it? And, and wrestle with, is this something that I need to take with me or leave it aside? And just use this as a reference and not as an idol in our world. But slow down and really reflect on what is in God's word and what does it mean for me. And then number three is I really think we need to read with others. This is so incredibly important. There's two theological words uh, that I want to introduce you to today. And you can kind of share this trivia with somebody in your world this week and, and feel really smart. But it's exegesis and eisegesis. Exegesis means to take God's word and read it and study it and let it speak into me for what it is. Eisegesis is to take God's word and my own thoughts, my own experiences and my world, own worldview and read into the Bible what I want it to be. Reading with others will protect us from reading into the Bible what we want it to be instead of letting the Bible read into me. This is why reading with others is so critical. We need to invest in a good Bible study, a good uh, equip class, a good uh, Sunday school class that meets at 8.30, a good life group, a good uh, accountability partner. We need to get in community and ask people, what do you see in God's word? And, and what, do, what do you find here? What have you studied? What have you seen? What has God revealed to you? We need to read what others have experienced and seen in God's word and bring others that we may never know in this life into the conversation and say, what has God revealed to you? But ultimately through it all, we don't just get with others and, and ask their opinion, but we pray together. The word tells us that when two or three are gathered in the name of God, that God is with them. And the Holy Spirit is at work. And so we gather and we pray, Lord, reveal your truth to us that you will change us and give life to us through your revelation. So very critical that we read with one another and we pray and say, Holy Spirit, teach me, guide me, correct me, train me for the life of salvation and the life of discipleship and following Jesus. So read daily, read slowly, read with others. But ultimately, it just really comes down to this one thing. This one thing, would you give it a try? Would you give it a try? I, I don't know how many of us have committed before. I'm gonna read through the Bible this year. And so we get into somewhere between Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, we're like, oh, I give up. There's a transformation happening under the surface before you see it. Press through, commit to it, 
And I'm going to make the big ask of you today. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, it's the same ask we're going to make every week this month is to give it a try for one year. Give it a try, not for a month, not for six months, because it may get to a point where you don't see what God is doing, but God is definitely at work. Give it a try for one year and see what happens. We've given you a, a resource in your chair, a read through the Bible in one year. What would it mean for you if you're not already in a group that's doing that to bring somebody along and say, let's do this together. Let's read through daily and slowly and together. Let's read God's word. Or maybe you've already been doing that. And what God is calling you to do is to bring somebody with you. Or maybe you've been reading through scripture and you, you do a devotion. And my encouragement for you, if you're in that place, is to take one step deeper and, and get some resources to really open up God's word. Learn about the history. Learn about the, the culture. Learn about the language. And maybe God has a new word for you. Just because maybe you've been in God's word for 40 or 50 years does not mean that he doesn't have a new word for you. Some new truth for you to, to live in your life and share with somebody else. Or it may be that you, you might know more about the Bible than I do. But transformation hasn't happened in your life. Because what you've done is you've made the Bible an end in itself when it was never intended to be. The whole purpose of this is to do what? Make us wise for salvation, which comes through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And it comes as we submit to Him in faith, not knowing about Him, but Paul talks about in his letters, to know Him intimately. And perhaps it might be that you're here today and your next step is to submit to Christ, the one that you know all about, but you don't really know. And so I don't, I don't know what your next step is, but I do know this, is that all of us have a next step to maybe start reading God's word or maybe bring somebody along the journey or maybe I can take a step deeper. There's a next step for me to get deeper into God's word and unearth some new truths. What I love about being a pastor is that every day I get to spend time learning about God's truth and it never ends. And it can be the same for all of us. We can spend every day learning more about who God is and his character and what he does. And so let's encourage one another to give it a try. One year in God's word, committed to it. Saying whatever level I'm at, I wanna to commit to take the next step and go deeper. So if you'll stand, I wanna pray for us. And I wanna tell you before I pray it, I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna pray for. Number one, I'm gonna pray that God will inspire us and give us the motivation to go deeper into his word. Number two, I'm gonna pray that God will give us a desire for his word. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna live a life where I have to white knuckle it every day. Be like, God, I gotta do this, I gotta do it. No, God, give me a desire for your word. And number three, I'm gonna pray that God will reveal his truth to us. There's a promise in here. It says God's word will never go out without accomplishing its purpose. I wanna pray that God will accomplish his purpose in you and me this year as we get into his word. So let's go to the Lord. Holy Spirit, come and work right now. As we pray and we wrap up and we say amen and we go into this final song. 
If you want to come and pray at these altars about anything or everything, you can come and do that. If you'd like for me to come pray with you, just wave me over. I'd love to do that with you as well. Uh, but let's go to the Lord and invite him into this work in our hearts. Let's pray. God, we love you and we praise you. Thank you for your, your truth. This incredibly loving instruction from an incredibly loving father. God, thank you for the gift that it is. I pray, Lord, whether because of what we've done here in this time or even in spite of it, that you will give us some very practical tools on how to approach your word. Maybe it's to read daily and to know that your word is not just an index of problem-solving solutions, but it's the living, breathing word of God meant to transform us over time. Or perhaps, Lord, we need to know how we can come and slow down and, and that the tools that are available to us, commentaries and dictionaries and lexicons and, and, and all those wonderful resources, or maybe we need to be encouraged to read with others and get into a study with other people or get into a group that opens up your word. God, whatever it might be, Lord, I pray that practically and in a very real way, we have a, a tool to take with us today. And I pray, Father, that all of us, whether we've been doing it for years and years or we're just getting started, that you would inspire and motivate us to give it a try for one year. God, inspire us to open up the truth of your word, to find out for ourselves, not what somebody else says about it, but what's really there. Find out for ourselves what is in your scripture. Inspire us and motivate us, Lord, for that. Lord, give us a desire every day for your word that when we wake up in the morning, the first thing that we want to pick up is not a newspaper or a phone or an iPad or a tablet or a computer or turn on the TV. The first thing our heart desires is your truth. And Lord, as we get into it, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us in our kitchens, our offices, our living rooms, bedrooms, closets, wherever we're reading. And I pray that you would reveal your truth to us. And I pray, God, that Holy Spirit, you'll come and work in us right this very moment. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.